Imagine getting to speak around the world, meeting the most successful, positive leaders, and then getting to choose from that group. That's what this leadership podcast is all about, learning from the best, how to be your best, so that we can challenge ourselves to lead with purpose, impacting lives and changing communities. I'm so glad you're part of this leadership podcast community, where together we learn, lead, and leave a lasting legacy. Welcome to Garage to Goliath. I'm Dan Quiggle, and I'm honored to have Steve Haru joining us today. Steve is the CEO and founder of Victory Selling based in Las Vegas, Nevada. He's a sales development expert, professional trainer, and keynote speaker, author of Sales is Not a Dirty Word, and the creator of the Two Quarters to Greatness system, which is revolutionizing his clients' sales organizations. For the past 25 years, Steve has trained thousands of salespeople to reach and surpass their targets and led multiple high-performing sales teams. He continues to change the way we look at sales and sales leadership and leaves his clients and audiences inspired and empowered by providing them cutting-edge strategies on selling in today's competitive marketplace. Hello, Steve, and welcome to Garage to Goliath. How's it going, Dan? Thanks for having me, man. Really excited to be here. And uh, I've seen your previous list of guests. You're really scraping the bottom of the barrel with this one. Oh, so, no way. I only get the must best. Must be a slow week in Dan Quiggles land. I only get the best of the best, Steve. You know, it's fun because we met in Vegas and, and I just, you know, instantly was kind of drawn to your energy and, and to your optimism and, and the way you talk about your business and the opportunity with other businesses. And I should start off by just asking, of course, like, what don't you do? But were, were you passionate about sales as a kid? It's funny, um, I told this story the other day, uh, when I, we might've even been talking about it, but um, I think I was probably sixth grade when I first kind of discovered sales and I um, would buy these blow pops, you know, these lollipops at the store and uh, everybody would want one from me. And I'm like, dude, I only have two. And then I realized, well, why don't I just go buy the whole box and then sell them to the kids? So I'd go to the corner store and I'd say, how much is it for the whole box? And the guy would look at me funny. So I'd pay five bucks for a box and then sell them each, you know, for a dollar. And that's kind of where I, I first learned sales uh, by accident. And so that was my start, uh, sixth grade. You know, it's it's interesting. It's it's why I never pass by a lemonade stand, right? Because I'm I have such a passion in my heart for like these kids who are out there selling and just oh man, you know, always. And yeah. there's there's nothing better. Is there anything better when you you make that sale as a kid and you know you collect that money and you give them the oh, product? Yeah. It's just an amazing feeling. You know, it, it's interesting. So, what do you think? What are the qualities that you develop at a young age that uh, you believe are still important when it comes to selling and and being a leader today? I mean, probably the first one from my dad, you know, his work ethic, because my dad's a blue collar guy, drove a truck, had two jobs, you know, worked probably 18 hours a day uh, driving for the Globe and Herald. And so I got to see early on, like what hard work was really like. And so I think that was always something uh, that was instilled in me. And then kind of our three, you know, core values, traits, qualities, whatever you call it, are, are honesty, humility, and integrity. And you know, those typically aren't the three words that would come out of folks' mouths if you ask them to describe the typical salesperson. So, you know, we try to be the, the polar opposite, the contrarian, and that's what I teach a lot when I speak and train and coach is try to give people this paradigm shift, you know, when it comes to sales that, you know, we don't have to do that always be closing crap. I mean, that's, you know, that's stuff, I mean, that's from the 90s. Like, you know, we, we don't use beepers uh, anymore either. So we, we shouldn't be using that crap. 
Well, you know, it's, it's interesting you say like honesty, integrity, and humility. I, I think, you know, I was fortunate, as you know, in my speech, I talk a lot about Ronald Reagan and kind of the impact that he had on, on my life. And, you know, it's similar, right? You don't think of like the leader of the free world and it's, it's those things. You think of like power and money and like, you know, like you said, closing every time and all these different things. But the reality is, is that I've always looked at sales differently. You know, it to me, it doesn't seem like selling if you believe in the product and you think you're helping people. 100%. Yeah. Just, just do, do what you would do if you were talking to your mom. I mean, you know, that's kind of the way I, I believe we should be selling to people. Like, you know, I, I remember early on in my career, I got burned out and then I ended up uh, selling cars. I sold cars for three months and it was not the greatest experience in the world, even though I did well. And I remember the finance manager saying, Steve, I'd take an extra point on my own mom if I knew she would pay for it. I'm like, Jesus, dude, like, what are you doing? I, and, and that's the mentality of a lot of people. It's just, let's make the sale and let's close people. And it's like, if you were on video and you showed to your new customer the way you spoke about them after the sale, how would you feel about that? You, you think they want to hear you talking about, I, I closed this guy for 20 grand or I had him eating out of my, is that, I mean, would you be comfortable with that if they showed that on TV? And so that's the way I, I teach and train and the way I, that I am. And listen, I, I would want my mom to be proud of the way I talk to people, you know, not, not the other way around. Well, you know, and, and thank you for saying that. And, and I want my listeners to really think about that for a second, because, you know, wh whether you do something, you know, what, whatever you do throughout the day, like, are you doing it with, with integrity and, uh, and something that you'd be proud of? And look, we make mistakes all the time. You know, we're probably not all at our best all the time, but you know, it's not a bad goal to shoot for, to make sure that we're treating the people the way we would want to be treated. And, and by the way, taking care of them and, and how, how great is a conversation after sale where you're like, I met the nicest people. I helped them get what they needed. You know, I was able to do it at a fair price. And, and you know, it doesn't mean you have to rake people over the coals. And there's nothing no. wrong with profit. Believe me, there's nothing <clears throat> wrong with profit. But but I agree. It's a, it's a mindset and it's an energy that you're putting out there. And and I think that's a positive one. So so what motivated you then later in life to create Victory Selling? So I was with uh, with Aflac. You probably mentioned we talked a little bit about for 13 years, and somehow you know I made it to number one in the country one year with Aflac. Sixty thousand agents. I had the most accounts, and so I kind of realized that I could do well at that, and was really successful in that in that business. That industry led sales teams very successfully as well. And it came down to a point where there was going to be a big promotion to run part of Southern California, and everybody knew it was going to be me or my current uh, manager, ironically, who we just hung out in Vegas last night because he's here for a couple of days. Um, and we each were super excited for it to be one or the other. You know, we were supportive. We we're like, dude, I hope it's you. No, I hope it's you. They picked neither of us and gave it to some failing, horrifically bad sales guy from somewhere else for the, the soft landing kind of stuff, as you know, in corporate America. And we were just like, dude, that's it. I ended up leaving, starting my own company. Mark ended up leaving, started his own company, both doing great. And um, that's 
happens to a lot of folks. And if you don't take care of the people that are responsible for helping you grow and lead your businesses, they're going to leave and they're going to go do it for somebody else. Or like Mark and I did, we just had a passion for helping people in what we both do collectively. So uh, one day I just kind of left and people were like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm out. Well, also, and so also, I just wanted to teach and, and wanted to do it my way and, and not the way that was taught to me, right? Which was just numbers and gets, you know, it wasn't my style. So that's what kind of made me just take a leap of faith and, and uh, start my own thing. Well, you know, you say that an entrepreneur is the only one who's willing to work 80 hours a week so we don't have to work 40, right? Because yeah. you know, now you're doing it for yourself and, you're, oh, yeah, and you see the direct impact. And by the way, you can be nimble and, and quick and change and all these different things that sometimes you can't do in corporate America. But so so at Victory Selling, you're doing corporate training, sales training, private coaching, all of that, and, and also keynote speaking. Is, is yes, that what sir. you're doing right at Victory? Yes, sir. Yeah. I mean, I we just love impacting people, whether it's... Um, corporate sales teams, individuals, you know, sales meeting, you know, national sales meetings, those types of things, virtual meetings, you and I've done a ton of those lately. Um, just met a kid ironically at a chamber event uh, last week. He's so excited, young guy, 23, and he already leads a team uh, of lenders. And so he's like, man, I love that sales DNA test, but I'm, I think I'm good at sales. I, I don't think I'm great at leading salespeople. So we just got off the phone. We're going to help him with his sales manager DNA. He's going to go through our management stuff, our leadership stuff, I should say. And he's pretty stoked. So it's, yeah, from, individual folks all the way up to, to big companies. We just want to help and uh, change that that perception, you know, of, of the used car salesperson. So let me ask you, because a lot of times, you know, they do take good salespeople and put them in management positions. How often does yeah. that work out? Uh, about 0%. Um, close to, not it, 0 It seems I mean, like that. Always, I mean, it just seems like it, because you're a good... the outlier. Yeah. Yeah. But just because you're selling really well doesn't mean that you're a great leader. And, uh, yeah. It's just, you know, you wouldn't do that in life. I mean, you, you'd never see on a plane, the pilot go to the flight attendant. Hey, Mike, you want to land this thing? I mean, you're a great flight attendant. What? I, you, you don't take the mater D and put her in the back and go, Hey, you're executive chef tonight, but I've never cooked. No, no, I know, but you're an amazing mater D. But People do it in business all the time. They've been doing it for a hundred years. They'll probably do it for a hundred more. Um, but catchers don't pitch and right fielders don't play third base. Uh, can't understand why they do it, but they keep doing it. Well, you know, and, and so the, got a lot of good life lessons there, right? I mean, stay focused on your, and I know you said something earlier too that I appreciated was you're like, you know, you're focused on your people, right? Pay attention to your people, appreciate the people around you, you know, value them. Uh, you know, honor them. I mean, all the things that are necessary. And by the way, the things that we would want for us, right? I mean, it's the same thing any human being wants is just to be acknowledged and and and, and gratitude and, and appreciated for what they do. I, I think that what's interesting now, and especially with what's going on in the world and, and in business, what are the key issues that you think companies are facing today with their sales forces? Well, I think number one is communication. You know, we um, and, and it's funny, you've never seen me speak in my Vistage talk someday, hopefully you'll get to see it. But um, one of my favorite quotes by Mr. Buffett is it's only when the tide goes out, you discover who's been swimming naked. <laughs> That's great. And what we're, he didn't say it about the pandemic. This is probably years ago, but companies are finding out the tide is out now and we're f figuring these salespeople are not salespeople, they're order takers. 
or my sales managers are not sales managers, they're dictators. And so companies are finding out all of these systems and processes that they didn't know were broken because everything was covered up by a great economy. When the economy is going well, anybody can sell, anyone can take orders. When it doesn't go well, that's where the cream of the crop rises. And so that's what I think is happening. A lot of companies now they're realizing, holy crap, how long have we been paying these people this amount of money? Right? How long have we had these people on staff that shouldn't be here? So that's part of what we're able to do now with our sales team evaluations and help them figure out, listen, you might have the right people on the right bus, but they're in the wrong seats. Or these people should not be on the bus. Why are they still there? And that's what I think the biggest challenge is now for companies is they're now uncovering all of these things that they couldn't see before. Um, when it's a great economy, it masks a lot of inefficiencies and bottlenecks. Steve, it's interesting you said that re within two weeks of COVID starting, I remember the CEO of Bain Capital put out like a seven page report and I read every word of it and I was fascinated by it because if you go back and look at that report, it nailed everything. It, it said, make no mistake, like this will change the world. And this is like within two weeks of, of, of everything Man. happening. And it said, <clears throat> cult, it said, um, you know, uh, trends will accelerate. If you're going to fail, you're, you're going to fail faster. If you're going to grow, you're going to grow faster. Behaviors will change. And, and they have, and, and, and this has uncovered a lot of things, like you said, with, you know, problems, opportunities within companies. So how do you customize training for sales teams and managers and, and, and create a vibrant pipeline? How do you, you know, based understanding what we know now, how do you do that in this current environment? Yeah, it's, it's probably our, our unique tool. And, um, you know, we call it the sales DNA test. And I wish, you know, I had found this thing 20 years ago, but it's, um, it's such a differentiator with what we can do as trainers. And it's kind of like I, I explain this as a doctor. Uh, you know, you come in limping, right, your sales team. And you come to the doctor and the doctor just gives you two aspirin. Doesn't look at you, doesn't talk to you, doesn't ask any questions, no MRI, no x-ray, and just says, here, you'll be fine. You'd leave in about two seconds and run out of the office. So that's what I see in a lot of places now that are doing the kind of generic training stuff. If you don't know what's wrong, how on earth could you possibly attempt to know how to fix it? So when we use these sales DNA tests, I mean, we're measuring 21 different competencies that make up the success or failure of salespeople, sales leaders. And so we could see where the deficiencies are, where are the weaknesses, what can we do to help fix it? And that's how we design all the training because we have specific lessons, curriculum, and um, ways that we can help overcome these challenges based on exactly what people need. So it's conceivable a company with 25 salespeople would have 25 different sets of training for those individual folks because they all aren't the same. So that's just kind of a little teaser, but that's what we do and why we've been able to have such great results. But also, I mean, within that, and I, I know we've talked about a little bit about that before, but I mean, some people aren't comfortable with money, talking about money, yeah. and they're in sales. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, it starts to affect, I mean, so is there a way to help out with the hiring process when, you, when you're doing the, the sales DNA test? Oh, big time. Yeah, we, um, it's funny. I was just talking to an old friend of mine who just before we talked today, he emailed me a connection to a client of his who can't seem to find good salespeople. And the reason is salespeople are good at selling themselves. 
So when you're interviewing people, you only get their best. You're seeing them at their best. They're certainly not going to be able to tell you where they struggle and you won't be able to see it. So the process we use for recruiting and hiring optimization is using that sales DNA test, but it's a different version that we can measure their effectiveness in selling coffee cups. We literally create one specific avatar we're measuring candidates against knowing all those 21 competencies. Do they have uncomfortability talking about money? Do they need to be liked? Can they control a conversation? Are they hunters? Can they negotiate? All those things we get to measure in that candidate DNA test before you even talk to a candidate, you'd be able to see, is this the right person for this role? And if they are, to what degree? So it really gives them such a great level of certainty. And you know, with assessments, it's very difficult to get predictive validity and ours is 92% predictive. So we have a really great track record, 30 years of success, 2.1 million salespeople we've evaluated. So we know the numbers and we just want to get that tool into hiring managers' hands so they don't make another million dollar mistake by hiring someone because they went to UCLA. Hey, wait, the best school in America? Is that what you're talking about? The, now, they would all be perfect if they went to that school. Let's just be honest. Okay, good. I'm glad we're in agreement. So, all right, no, but let's talk about that for a second because, you know, here's my problem. So, so often in, in business and in sales, we get these people. So, let's say we, we already have these people on the team. I mean, is there a chance to help fix them? So, you, you take them through this test and, and they go through the 21 points and you're able to identify them. So, then it, it, can you help people? Can they become better salespeople? Absolutely. We have uh, so many great case studies. And I, I always think about this kid, Bryce, and uh, Bryce came to me last March, um, right at the, kind of the beginning of the pandemic. And when we do scores and evaluations on these sales DNA tests, it'll give you a percentile. So just like the SAT, right, one to 99. Um, and he scored a seven. So he was in the seventh percentile, meaning 93% of salespeople were better than him at what he did. And so we started working together. Um, in April, he set his all-time record for sales. In May, he broke April's record. Uh, a year later, today, he's now VP of sales for that company. And it was so cool because I was doing a Vistage talk up in Milwaukee, and he saw it on social media. He's like, man, I'm driving up to meet you. He lives in Chicago. And um, you guys can check it out. He's on, on my LinkedIn um, testimonials. But it was so cool to be able to meet him in person. I never met him, known him for a year, been working together. And to think about where he was a year ago, I mean, so we've got a lot of stories like but that. So, where, so it begs the question, so what was the secret sauce with him? Well, his was, he had never been really trained in sales. He, he had the desire, he had the motivation, he had um, the work ethic. He's a, a, a dad of a young daughter, so he's got that inspiration behind him to get better, but no one had ever really taught him how to sell the right way. And so his was more of a skill set deficiency than a mindset deficiency. And again, a lot of people have it reversed. So he really put the time in, learned the skills, and you know, he's doing so great today. You know, people ask me all the time because you know, I speak a lot and you know, I've been involved in that for a long time, and they're like, Can you? teach someone to do this. I'm like, absolutely you can. I mean, it's yes. like anything. It takes practice. It takes dedication. And it goes yes. back to this whole thought process of like, if it's something that you love, if it's something you believe in, wouldn't you want to be like the top 1% in whatever you have your passion for? And, and I, you know, yeah. I, I say this all the time in, in my speeches, I say it on the podcast, 
but it's, you know, what I say to my kids, like, find your passion, master it, and there'll be enough crazy people on this planet to pay to be master in anything, oh, yeah. anything. And so if sales is your thing, it doesn't even matter what you're selling. You know, as long as you believe in the product and you, you know, uh, have a, have a market that you can sell to and, you know, you can be successful and by the way, highly successful. So I would say sell something that actually matters, right? Don't maybe, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to do it, make some money doing it, monetize it, and then have fun doing it. Well, it's funny. One thing you said, and I don't know if you saw my, my LinkedIn blog today, but, um, I got some really good feedback today and, and even a couple emails on it. And the title was, is your life mass produced or handcrafted? And the thought is, you know, are you just like meandering along through as a salesperson? I mean, you know, there's a bunch of Tom, Dicks and Harry's. I mean, or are you handcrafted? Are you the masterpiece? Are you the unique item that people will pay lots of money to for your expertise, your knowledge, right? Your ability to help them and their business grow. And so that's really what we try to teach people is, you know, become that handcrafted piece that people are willing to pay $10,000 for versus you go to Walmart, you get the same picture on, you know, a poster board for 20 bucks. So that's what we really want to encourage people to do is really maximize your potential uh, in this amazing industry. And if you do, if you're unique, people will pay for it. Um, and I don't think a lot of people understand that. Well, have you read the book, The Challenger Sale by any chance? A long time ago. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it was interesting because really, you know, what it said and it's, it's what you're saying, which is it says, you know, become the thought leader in whatever you do, like the best of the best so that people, they don't just want to do business with you because you're friends or because you're a nice person, but they feel like they're missing out on something if they don't yeah. do business with you. You know what I mean? And it just goes back to your, I think what you do really well, which is, is help people kind of find their superpower. I mean, it's kind of like what I do with the Quiggle assessment, right? Like, similar. Yeah, with yeah. the Quiggle assessment, I'm trying to get people to kind of find their superpower and then market it. And and in sales also, like, you know, find where what you need to be better at and make sure you're good, but then also double down on what you're really good at and be successful in those categories. You know, and- yeah, it's, it's a Jim Rohn thing too. You, it's funny, I, I, I was just watching some of his old stuff and I, I threw that out there too, because I don't think a lot of people know Mr. Rohn. Um, and for those of you that are listening, not Jim Rohn, the idiot sportscaster. <laughs> Rome, hey, there's some R-O-H-N. people that maybe like Jim. I'm just kidding. Fine. He's still an idiot. Um, R-O-H-N. And he says, you get paid for the value you bring to the marketplace. If you are not valuable, you will not get paid. So you have to become valuable in whatever industry you are, become of value to people and they will seek you out and want to acquire your services. Yeah, that's great. Oh, absolutely. And and anything, anything that you do, I mean, whether it's sales or, you know, leadership or, you know, anything. So I I love that. So let's, let's switch gears for a second. How how do you keep your team motivated despite like conflicts and, and obstacles? So this is a, a, an ongoing challenge for a lot of people, a lot of teams. We talk about this with most of our clients, actually, especially with what's happened in the pandemic. I mean, geez, talk about challenges and obstacles, but it's almost the way that you talk every single day has to be always positive. They are looking to you as a leader. If you come in and you're down in the dumps and you're moping around and you're Eeyore, I mean, who the hell wants to be around you? Not your team, not your wife. Nobody wants to be around that person. So you always have to be looking at the positive sides of life. And, 
you know, we, we talk about those, the glass half full, half empty. We all know that. And I, I was doing that keynote. It's overflowing with opportunity. What are you talking well, about? Well, here, see, I ask people how they view the glass and we get all kinds of responses. It's ironic because I have my Costa Rica mug here, but this is what I learned from, from the Ticos down there, the Costa Ricans. I'm just happy to have a glass. See, hundreds of millions of people on this planet drink out of their hands. And you're complaining that you only have half a glass of water. So I just always look for the immense positive side of things. Not, oh, I got half a glass of cocoa. No, I, I have a vessel to drink out of that isn't my hands. So I think we take way too much for granted and we're not grateful for very many things in our lives. And so the permeative uh, culture has to go through your organization of always be positive. Yeah, there's challenges, big deal, man. Like you, you heard about that kid, that hockey player who died yesterday because he got hit with a, a, a fireworks. Yeah, that was crazy. Like so unfortunate. his parents lost him, you know, Somebody died, like people died yesterday and you're complaining because somebody didn't show up for an appointment. Right. That's not a challenge. Well, you know, right? no. And, and, you know, it's, it's perspective, right? Everything is perspective. And, and trust me, like, you know, loss, I mean, you, you know, it's just hard, whether it's a pet or it's a family member, or it's a friend or it's yeah. you know, whether you witness it's a total stranger, whatever it is. But, you know, just when you think at the bottom, you're at the bottom of the barrel, oh, how deep does that barrel go? You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's, and, and, and it goes back to, I remember seeing something that said America's poor getting poor as in the paper when I was a kid and had a picture of a family in a house and there was a TV in the background and there was like carpet on the floor and there was, you know, a couch, you know, and all these different things. And, and I just thought, I'm not sure that's exactly what poor is from a world perspective. And, and again, uh, not taking anything away from anybody, but I'm just saying a lot of it is our perspective. And I would just challenge my listeners to, to make sure we're thankful for each day. And, and look, I'm an optimist, Steve, but I'm not a blind optimist. You know, I, I would say if this building's burning, I'm getting out, but I also know the only thing I can really control is my attitude. And I just, I refuse to let, you know, people ruin my day, especially those, because then I give them all the power, don't I? I give them all the power if I let them ruin my day, if I let them, you know, control my emotions. And that's the only thing we really can control. We talk about detaching from outcomes a lot in a lot of my talks and language and training and teaching and all that stuff. And learned it from Maslow. We all know the hierarchy of needs, but what I learned the best from Maslow, um, what he talks about is detaching from outcomes, right? The only way to be truly happy is to detach, right? To break free from any outcome. So you can control your happiness, whether or not you make a sale, that's what you're basing it on. I mean, come on. So just go out, have great conversations with people and maybe they like you, maybe they don't. Maybe they buy your product, maybe they don't, but you're still alive. You still have your sight, <laughs> your hearing, your ability to walk and you're worried that you didn't make a sale. So imagine so coupling that with a lot of sales though, then it's a really great day. A hundred percent. Yeah, if, if you're doing things the right way, and that comes back to the whole education side. And, and you know, it, it's what I love about you, because one of the things you lit up about, like when we were talking, is you were describing your two quarters to greatness system. And yeah. it's something that, yeah. that you, you're really proud of and you're working on every day. Can you describe that to my listeners and how it's affecting companies? Yeah, it's um, something I'd indirectly been doing for, for years, but never really systemized it. And so now that's what we're working on. I just started the book yesterday, so I'm pretty pumped about that. 
Um, but it's a process of transforming a sales team over six months. And that's hence the two quarters. We all know um, it's not going to take six hours. It's not going to take six days. You know, we talk about this a lot of times, people going to weekend events thinking they're going to get rich by Tuesday. And the only people, guys, that get rich going to weekend events are the people hosting them. Uh, it's just not how business works. And so I don't typically do a lot of like, one day events because that's not going to help anybody. It's a sustained process of building habits and creating daily routines. And, you know, we, we talk about something called DPIs, which is daily performance indicators. And with, with daily performance indicators, you're able to now coach to the activities, not to the result. There's a reason 67% of people don't hit quota. Quotas don't drive activity. Activity drives quota. It's the other way around. So um, we built a five-stage kind of process to be able to take people through that. And I'm just pumped. You know, people are having a lot of success and they're enjoying sales again. We get so many great uh, comments and emails and Instagram messages and things like that about, man, this is fun. Like, yeah. That's what it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a job with your manager breathing down your neck going, hey, Dan, well, your numbers are off this month. Um, yeah. Hey, my, my numbers mom, would never be off, Steve. No, well, <laughs> we, wishful thinking, by the way. Yeah, yeah wishful thinking. <laughs> well, we, we hear that some of you guys that are listening, you kind of know because these are your managers. And what the manager doesn't, doesn't know is, you know, your mom died. Like, but they wouldn't know because they don't care. They don't know anything about you. All they do is look at the number. Why aren't you on quota? Uh, my wife was diagnosed with cancer. How about that? But that's the difference, right, between managers and leaders. And there are so few leaders and way too many managers. And again, we wonder why 67% of companies don't hit quota. It's this kind of stuff. So how did you come up with that? What did you interview, you know, other top business professionals, look at habits, best practices? I did do, it's funny. I did do that. Um, and I, I still have all the stuff. And I, when I first started building all of, all of uh, what we teach, I wanted to know, well, what are the top 5% of men and women doing? What do they do that makes them unique? And why not, you know, tell everyone else to do it? And it was funny when I heard some of the things they were doing that I did, it made me feel really good. And then I heard some of the things that I wasn't doing. And I was like, oh my God, that's brilliant. So my role is not to be the guru, do it Steve's way. No, I, I just want to share what all these amazing men and women are doing to have success. And you take the things you like and you do those and you take the things you don't like and you do those. But if you stick to that daily victory game plan, which is our kind of one day, every day checklist, if you do those 18 things every day, you can't not have an improvement in results. And that's not even skill set. That's just building daily habits. When we're able to teach people to overcome those self-limiting beliefs about money and their value of what they're worth, which is a Brian Tracy thing that I, I learned from Brian. And I don't know if you know this, Dan, or you ever saw this, but salespeople or people in general will only earn within 10% of what they think they're worth. Wow. So if you think you're worth a hundred grand, that's about what you're going to make. 
If you think you're worth half a million, that's what you're going to make. So there's so much behind selling that isn't about features and benefits and magic closing questions and crap like that. That doesn't work, guys. You have to change what's up here. And those are some of the things we've been able to do successfully. Well, so that's amazing. I love that. And, and you know, the sales industry, well, just companies in general changed so much during the pandemic. How, yeah. do, you, how do you train a remote, a remote sales force and, and make sure that they're successful person by person? Yeah, that's a, another great question. I was going to bring that up earlier, talking about what are we revealing now, right? When the tide's out. Almost every single client we have, 99%, I've never met. Everything we've done is virtual, everything. Um, and there's parts of this medium that for some reason people don't like. And I think it's just because we're so used to the human interaction, the contact you and I know, right? We'd rather be in person speaking, but you know, I like to be six, nine and be in the NBA. I can't control that. Um, But what I can control is the effort, the energy, the skill building, all of the learning I've done to become good at delivering virtual training and virtual coaching and messaging and keynotes and all those things. I shared with you that big giant keynote I did last week. That was all virtual. And so you've got to invest in these skills. This is not going away, everybody. Um, You have to be good at this medium. And so for me, I need to be energetic and caring and, you know, um, dynamic and inclusive and engaging. And I have to do even more of that when we're virtual to keep people engaged and involved. And so I think that's a big part of what we do. And I think the other part to your question is, after we do those sales DNA tests for companies, we do one-on-one reviews. Just for you and I do very similar things to help people understand what we found on the DNA test to give them some guidance, some coaching, some direction so they know what to improve on. It's not just, well, here's the new sales trainer, listen to this guy. That doesn't work. So I think we found a pretty good formula that um, people are pretty happy with. And we're always growing, getting better. There's lots of stuff we could do better as a team. We send out jot forms to make sure, hey, what could we do to improve? What would you like? What do you like to see? And we're always trying to grow and get better. We got a long way to go. Well, it, it, it is interesting and we always have a long way to go, right? We should be lifelong learners trying to learn as, you know, be the next best version of ourselves on a regular basis. Every day. But the, but the sales industry, let's just be honest, it has, a, you know, sometimes a, a bad reputation, right? Yeah. So tell me about your book, Sales is Not a Dirty Word. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I wrote that down in Costa Rica and it's uh, it's Tim Ferriss's fault. So uh when i left aflac and started uh, victory selling i also left the country so i i moved to costa rica and lived there full time and i started that book down there in 2019 and i wanted to create something that would give people the energy and the enthusiasm to go into sales as a new career and not feel like they're slimy and they're aggressive and they have a gold medallion around their neck um that's what I think I, when I came up with that title, I'm like, it's not a dirty word. Sales is a great thing. We don't have anything in life without sales. Someone sold you that mic. Someone sold you that paint. I, everything is sales, but it doesn't have to be 
a, a dirty word to George Carlin, right? Seven, seven dirty words. It doesn't have to be. So that's why I wanted to write that just to give people some perspective of you can be a normal, nice down to earth person and still be really successful in sales. Yeah. And, and they're, they're not always going to be the same personality. And that's the neatest no. part about it. I mean, there's going to be so, so many different peers from a leadership perspective with the Quiggle assessment, you know, you see that there are a lot of really adventurous leaders, caring yeah. leaders, detail oriented leaders, but they yeah. just lead differently. So there's not like an X, you know, A plus B equals C and C no. is the absolute. No, I came back as the guardian, by the way. But, oh, you were um, the guardian? Oh, so look yeah. at that caring, compassionate, helpful, yeah. hopeful. Yeah, look at that. That's perfect. Guardian. And by the way, that's a servant leader. I mean, I, I would argue, you know, if looking back on it, I've talked to some other Reaganites that uh, that I work with in President Reagan's office, and we think Reagan would have been like maybe a guardian director, like, I think know, so. a servant leader. So, uh, by the way, congratulations on that, because that's that's yeah. exciting. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's important, guys. And, it, and you know, another thing about leadership I, I, I was thinking about when you asked a different question before about people, um, you know, we got to treat people the way, you know, that we want to be treated. And I, I talk about this in a lot of my talks. It's not quite that. See, that's the golden rule. Many of you know that, right? Treat, do unto others as we get all that. But in leadership, it, it can't be that. Because if I need to be yelled at, like I can take it. I'm from Boston. Tell me I screwed up. I have thick skin. Fine. But not everybody can take that. So why would I treat you, Dan, like that? Why would I do that? if that's not how you respond. So I, I forget where I learned this, but it's called the platinum rule. Um, we treat people the way they want to be treated. Some salespeople need to be prodded, pushed, nudged. Others need to be left alone. Don't bother them. They'll do it on their own. Others need lots of recognition, pats on the back, high fives, name on the wall. Other salespeople couldn't care less about that. They just want to provide for their family and have enough money for their kids' college. So you've got to treat your sales team the way they want to be treated. Who cares the way you want to be treated? They're not you and you're not them. That's such a great point. And it's a great point in life for anybody you meet. It's it's so interesting because I had a friend, he, he was head of HR for Aetna Worldwide. Okay, there was 50,000 employees at the time that he was in charge of. Yeah. To which my first question was, why? Why would you even want that job? Like, how could no. you? I mean, it just yeah. seems like a lot of headaches to me and sleepless nights. But but fair enough. That's his, again, personality. So he, he said, Dan, you got to scale out the caring. And he said, whether it's five, fifty, five hundred, fifty thousand, it's all the same thing. So scale out the caring because everyone has to be cared for and cared for yeah. the way they want to be cared for. So thank you for making that point. And I hope my listeners yeah. really hear that. It it pays to invest time in learning about the people around you and what motivates yeah. them. That's why, you know, I I think I've said I mentioned this before that I met a, a very young successful CEO and he would do dream walks. Where oh, he, yeah, that was yeah, a yeah. cool idea. I like 15 that. 15 minutes yeah. around the lake out in front of their building, and he would just yeah. line up employees and walk around, and he wouldn't ask them, like, what can you do better for this company? He's like, what are your dreams? What do you want out of life? Where do you want to be? And then how can I help you get there? And I just thought that was so powerful yeah. because no, in the that. end, we love to dream, hopefully, you know, all of us. And so dream big, and then let's see what can happen. It goes, And, you know, the other thing that you said, Steve, that I'm that's going to stick with me, and I guarantee I'm going to use, so I'm going to steal it from you for sure. Hey, I'll give, I'll give you credit. But is, <laughs> is where you said... Um, people will kind of uh, rise to their what they think their their real value is. So whether yeah. it's 100,000 or 500,000 or multi-millions, I was yeah. just speaking, and this is so exciting, in uh, here in Southern California, a guy raised his hand. He's like, hey, Dan, life-changing. You know, we, you know, you spoke to my group eight years ago. It was changed, changed my life. 
the guy was selling his business in like 24 days for like a billion dollars. And, and what I, you know, and, and he said, I just want to thank you again, because through this transition period, but they asked him what his, what his business was. And so he gave his business and, and, you know, it was a commodity, but he said, no, it was never that it was about changing globally the way people use that com- commodity. And I thought, what an interesting concept. Do you see how big he was thinking? Like, yeah. That's just amazing to me. It wasn't selling a product. It was changing globally the way people think about that product. And, yeah. and, and sure enough, he did. Man, yeah, so that's exciting. It, it, it really that's... is exciting. You know, you, I know you love it as much as I do, but you're, you're a keynote speaker and uh, you've risen to the top of multiple industries. What key takeaways do you give your audiences when you're out speaking on the road? So I really try to give them just a, it's almost like what you just described with that gentleman, a completely different view on sales. We, we've always been taught to worry about the sale, have the goal of the sale, right? But that in and of itself can't be right. The deciding factor. And it's, it's like uh, the Olympics, right? They're, they're coming up here in like two weeks. There's going to be 10,000 athletes roughly and 300 ish events. Every one of those 10,000 athletes goal, every one of them is to win the gold, but only 3% are going to win gold. So it's not the goal. It's not the goal that makes the difference between gold and silver and bronze and fourth. It's what do that person do daily? Show me a gold medal winner. I'll show you somebody with better daily habits. That's simple. Not more skill, not more height, not more any of that, not more talent, daily habits. So I try to give people some different ways of thinking about selling that they've probably never heard before. And that's what I want them leaving the meeting with, not the traditional, here's the closing question you guys should ask, you know, not tactics, right? It's mindset. Once we change that, world opens up. One of the favorite things that you said today is you said, we don't train for quotas. We train for activity, daily activity. And and it goes yeah. back to what you just said, but I'm just telling you, it does make a difference, right? Activity equals results. I mean, and yeah. by the way, not just moving paper from one side of the table to the other, that's, you know, it's, it's actually, you know, having real results from the activity that you're producing to make you better, to make you stronger, to make you faster, whatever that is in whatever well, yeah. industry. Yeah, I'm not saying not have goals either. You got to have goal, big dream. I'm not saying any of that, no, but, but having a dream, just a dream is it's a wish. It's not, it's just doesn't magically happen. Um, I, we were talking about vision boards at a, at a keynote and somebody, uh, these like burst out laughing and came up after the crowd. Right. And I said, like, guys, you, there's people in this audience that have spent more time cutting out pictures and crap like that on their vision board than picking up the phone that will actually <laughs> get them great. in the car. Like, what are we doing? That's awesome. I love but that. But they spend four hours with tape and, and you know, glue and picture. like, but you won't spend four minutes on the phone. Do you, do you know what it reminds me of? I got to tell you the story. So, so I'm speaking in this one city and this guy, we're talking about sales. And this guy said that they had bought this vacation home. And so, you know, his wife was putting a lot of pressure on him to, to get the furniture for the home and everything. And so he said it was kind of a remote area. And there was this, there was this furniture store that he thought his wife had even driven by and they, they thought it had beautiful furniture in this, but they'd never really gone in. So he's like, you know what? I have some time today. My wife's not coming as a surprise. I'll go in, I'll engage somebody, you know, to help us. We'll pick out what we think could go in the whole house. And cause she likes that style of furniture yeah. and we'll do it. So he walks up to the door of the place. It's 10 till nine in the morning. Okay. And he knocks on the door and he, and 
the door, you know, because the door's locked to the place. And so he sees, but there's a group of people circled around inside. And I I just love this. And he knocks and they kind of like point to their watch. Yeah, they kind of like point to their watch like, hey, you know, like we open in 10 minutes. So he waves a guy over and the guy comes to the door and he said, hey, listen, um, we open in 10 minutes. We're in the middle of a sales meeting. And he said, uh, he goes, he goes, you got to wait 10 minutes. <sighs> and the guy just walked away and he thought, I'm not waiting 10 minutes. And he said, and you're in the middle of a sales meeting. I'm a, I'm somebody, he was going to spend like 50, 60,000 yeah. grand in, in, in furniture and at that <laughs> store and decided not to. And I just thought it just stuck with me. You know, you gotta, you gotta make sure that your, your, your activity uh, yeah. matches your goals. Yep. So, and they were probably talking about. The quote of this month yeah. is sixty thousand. Yeah. There's your there. the guys right there, and, and you know, and and take advantage. We had to go over numbers. Yeah. Let's look at the CRM. Let's look at the pipeline. So, so it's clear that you love what you do, and I appreciate that. And so, how do you personally continue to grow and develop as a leader? I mean, one of the things that we teach in our our kind of process, right, our daily victory game plan, is read and study every day. So, twenty pages of reading, you know. 20, 30 minutes of studying. But we talk about reading a lot because the average salesperson, as you know, reads less than one book a year. If you read 20 pages a day, you will have read 41 books in a year. 20 pages a day. That's it. That takes 20 minutes. But people don't want to do that. You know, they are too busy watching TV, you know, and I brought this up on one of the, um, the big ones last week. And I said, you've all heard of binge drinking. Oh, yeah. yeah. How about binge watching? Anybody? Oh, yeah. Have you seen, you know, House of Cards, Game of Thrones? You know, right. I said, who's ever heard of binge personal growthing? Anybody? Crickets. Binge personal growth for six months, and you tell me where your business is. Yeah. But people don't have time. But see, it goes back to your activity, right? So when you have a yeah. set activity, 20 pages, whatever. But, and by the way, for my listeners, whatever, what that, whatever that goal is, you know, yeah. reading, um, you know, I, I mean, I enjoy even watching YouTube videos. Watching, right? Podcasts, YouTube, that counts as studying. Like, do that stuff, fill your brain. When I do workouts in the morning, I, I have a lot of stuff. On, I like YouTube. I, I'm not always podcast, but there's so much stuff on YouTube. And that was the Jim Rohn stuff I was listening to back, you know, take charge of your life. If you never heard it, it's from 1981 in Anaheim. So it's close to you. It's all still relevant. It's 40 years later. And it's, I've listened to it a hundred times. But that's the stuff, what I mean about studying, learning, growing, putting good stuff in your head. I'm not saying don't watch Netflix or TV. You still do that, just not five hours a day. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll tell you right now, it is interesting how, so l- let me tell you what we do with the family. I don't know if I mentioned this when I was speaking, but we do education nights. And so everybody gets oh, a night. So oh, I, nice. I have Tuesday night. That's my night. So on my Tuesday night, I we use YouTube and you have to pick, you have to teach the family something in 15 to 30 minutes. Now here's the neat thing: you can you can talk, but you don't have to. That's why the kids love it, right? So they they don't have to. Talk. They could just literally line up three videos, four yeah. videos that are like five minutes long. Press yeah. click, we all watch it. So my son did like the U.S. trip to Mars. I did like what is blockchain? You know what is Cardano cryptocurrency? Like you know we just do yeah. different things, but we learn. And and it's here are the rules: you can't complain. So it, it, they could show me like what favorite video game they're playing or what movie they like or whatever it is, 
but we have to, for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, watch it, appreciate it, try to find value in it and learn something from it. And I just, I just love that, that concept and that mindset. So I appreciate your reading and hopefully, um, we'll have many of my listeners that are now reading 20 pages a day said, uh, thanks to Steve. But, uh, so I, who inspires you? Like, do you have a specific mentor or mentors that you have in your life? Yeah, it's, I mean, Jim Rohn's probably one of the big ones. Simon Sinek is another one. Uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily have folks that are salespeople that inspire me. Gary Sinise is another one. Um, you know, probably the, if I end up, you know, one one millionth of what he is, I mean, I'll have had a pretty amazing life. So those are kind of the people I look up to. I don't, oh, I don't like many of the, you know, self-proclaimed gurus. Well, I, I, you know, Gary Sinise is such a great American. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, the guy just gives, 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 gives back and, you know, to veterans and America and loves the country yeah. and feels fortunate to be here. There was a, a great speech. I forget what movie it was from the other day, but it, it was like a United, a Uniter speech. It, it was it, it, one of these where the earth is being attacked and the guy gets up and he's like, he's like, today we are just one people. We're fighting toward a common enemy. It doesn't matter what country you're from, what culture your background is, the color of your skin, nothing matters. We're all together to fight this one. And I just thought, what a great mindset of just like uniting people. Cause it's like Independence Day, right? And, now, and maybe that's what it was from. Maybe, all, maybe that was yeah. what it was from Independence Day. Now you know? we're all one species, right? Yeah. We're, our lives are on the line. Yes, um, exactly. And, and, and it no, goes, it, it goes back to like, how, how do you bring people together? And I, I, I always admire leaders who do that, who find value in everyone around them and who try to inspire everyone. And I, I think that I learned that early on from, from my parents that, you know, you just, you just work hard, you treat people well, uh, you know, you, you have respect for every individual around you. And, and, and it's like a karma thing for me. I know I'm not allowed to use that in business, that word, but I still convince you do the right thing. It's going to come back to you tenfold. If it doesn't, who cares? You still did the right thing. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So, so what's the best advice that you've received? That's a tough question. The best advice I got, and this is funny because I learned it from the sales DNA test. And we talked about this earlier uh, in our conversation before. 86% of salespeople need to be liked. And probably 99% of adults the day, and I, I don't know who taught this, but this is the advice and I don't know who gave it to me, but the day you stop caring about what other people think is the day you'll start living your life to its fullest. And, and that, that's driven me, you know, endlessly because not everybody's going to like you guys. <laughs> Sorry. Just what? This it's is shocking news. Is. You're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Um, and once you become okay with that and you make peace with that, you can live a fulfilled life. Look on social media, 90% of those profiles, those aren't even real. That's not the real person. What are you kidding? Their lives are I'm still using shambles. my picture from when I was 27. No. Hey, listen, man, they, they want this persona. They, a lot of people today would rather have a fake persona. They'd rather have people think they're more successful than actually be successful. Yeah. Think, think about that. Um, but that's what social media has caused. I mean, there are people whose entire life is revolves around how many likes they got on their Instagram post. I mean, guys, you got to stop caring about that stuff. Like some will, some won't. 
who cares? Move on. So I will admit, uh, okay, so if I'm going to talk about my faults, so, you know, er, probably early on in my career, especially speaking, you know, I, I'm, I'm probably a people pleaser. You know what I mean? Like I want to make people happy around me. I, that's kind of my goal. It is interesting because speaking and especially in front of groups like Vistage and EO and YPO and yeah. you, know, these, you um, it's, it's pretty hardcore because at the end of your speech, they give you what's called rapid recall. A lot of them, yeah, oh, yeah. and they tell you what they liked or did not like about your speech. And let me tell you something, you know, they're honest. And so, oh, you know, yeah. most of the time you hear pretty good things that I'm fortunate, but every once in a while you get something and it, it's, it's like, you know, the little stab in the soft part of the stomach, you can really feel it. It hurts. Yeah. You know, it's like getting, and, but it's actually been good for me over the years to really realize that you're right. You're not going to make everybody happy that you need to stay focused. And believe me, I listen. Like when, when I hear critiques, um, I, I'm listening because I always want to make it better. But the reality is, is that you're not going to, like you said, be everybody's cup of tea. And so, you know, that's, no. just, that's just a part and of just life. Just tell them you appreciate it. You know, I had this happen one time. Maybe this is Marpia. Yeah, four months ago uh, after a Vistage meeting. And it went really well. And they gave me like real live feedback, like stand in the middle of the room and everybody fire at you. Right. And uh, this one guy who was basically like, uh, yeah, I, th I didn't think you taught us that much. And it was funny because the previous 13, when we had one takeaway, they were like, oh, I've got three. I've got, right. But this one, and all I said was, George, man, I really appreciate that. You know, thank you for being honest. Thank you for saying that. And I'm going to work to do better next time. You know, right. that's it. Yeah. You don't need to fight with people, you know. <laughs> But this I am good. What's that going to prove? You right? don't love, so, they love me. They love me. They finally love me. So what, so what do you do to recharge? Nature. Nature. So okay. uh, fishing is, you know, probably my favorite thing to do in the world. I could be out all day, not catch the thing and be totally happy um, to talk about detaching from outcomes. I mean, there you go. Um, but I'm going to Alaska next week. I think I told you for a Vistage talk and, and to go fish, but I just like being out in nature. If you guys follow me on social media, whatever, you'll probably see um, a lot of my content I do out in the desert here or, you know, where I travel because that's where I just like to be out with nature with animals so that's kind of my my recharge just get away from electronics and get away from uh the phone ringing and things like that um obviously we need the phone to record the videos um but not being on it right just being out there um is where kind of my my piece is that's why I still think it's interesting that out of my three-hour presentations probably want you know besides like the quiggle assessment and some other things the most commented piece is when i talk about work-life presence like yeah. being where you are and being there fully so if you're out in nature be out in nature and for me i'm solar powered for sure like i when the sun is out i want to play yeah. i want to run i want to do surf do all these things when the clouds come in i'm like should i be sleeping i'm not sure what i should be yeah. doing here so i realize that uh so love that you enjoy being outside and detaching yeah. so do you have any last words for my listeners yeah, I mean, just be yourself, everybody. Uh, you know, society's tough today. I mean, especially if you're if you're you got kids, like it's tough to grow up these days, man. I, I wouldn't know what to do. I mean, there's so much cyberbullying and so much uh, focus on being famous and all these things. Like, just do a lot of good things for people, and it will benefit you in the long run. And maybe we could end with this. I was telling a friend this the other day because he was talking about, well, we're getting older and, you know, so on. And I said, you know what we should have on, on gravestones, you know, instead of having, you know, born here, died here and some flowers and stuff like that, we should just have one number 
That's it. Just a number. Everybody has a number on their gravestone. And the number refers to how many lives you positively impacted in your time on this planet. What would your number be? Because everyone can see it. Yeah, that's and awesome. I think a lot of people would have a single digit. Well, it's it's good yeah. to have a goal to have many men, a very large number on that. Because I mean, I, and that goes back to, you know, what I talk about success to significance, right? And, and I just challenge, uh, that's a great way to leave, by the way, Steve. So I love that because that gets us all thinking. And I just challenge right. my listeners to make sure you have a large number, right? To make sure that you're changing lives and that it starts with your family and friends and then goes on to maybe your coworkers or your employees if you're running oh, a company yeah. and then goes on to total strangers that you meet or waitresses and wait waiters at restaurants. All I mean, of just the, above. the way we you all treat put our people. pants on one leg at a time. Yeah. My dad taught me that. Um, we're all humans, right? And we need more of that in, in today's world. Absolutely. Well, Steve, you know, th thanks so much for taking the time to join us Got today it, and congratulations on your success. What's the best way for our, uh, my listeners to connect with you? Um, LinkedIn's pretty easy. Steve Haru, right? H-E-R-O-U-X. That's an easy one. Uh, you can email me, Steve at victoryselling.com. You can go to victoryselling.com, check out some of the stuff we have on there. And I always like to help and, you know, say hello, please reach out, get a lot of cool, uh, you know, humbling messages on, on Instagram and things. And it's, it's funny. You, you don't realize like how many people you're impacting because they don't always tell you. Um, but Recently, I got a couple of really nice messages, videos from people around the world. I had no idea the, some of the things that they do because of what we've taught or said. So just know everyone, people are watching. They're watching you. Um, you might not even know, right, how many lives you're impacting. So just treat people the right way, do good things for others, and uh, it'll all come back to you. So words of wisdom from Steve Haru. And I will say it's so true. I landed in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia for an EO speech. Wow. And uh, three people came up to me and said they'd heard every one of my podcasts. And I thought, <laughs> so what neat. an amazing world we live in right now where we can have such a far reach and hopefully do it in a positive way. And that's, yeah. Steve, I, I really do believe that's what you're doing. Uh, you know, so thanks for sharing your stories and the journey with all of us. Um, make sure everybody to get a copy of sales is not a dirty word. Um, I hope Thanks, you got man. some great takeaways today for your business and personal life and feel inspired to take on the challenges, uh, to create the future that you want. I'm Dan Quiggle. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Garage to Goliath. Please share this episode, this podcast with your family, friends, and network. Lead well, everyone. Thanks again, Steve. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you soon, Dan. You'll definitely want to check out the show notes for this episode, episode 57. You can find them at quigglegroup.com forward slash 57. That's quiggle, Q-U-I-G-G-L-E group.com forward slash 57. Also, please rate, review, and subscribe to this leadership podcast in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Your feedback helps us improve and also gets the message out to more listeners around the world. To rate, review, and subscribe, please visit quigglegroup.com forward slash iTunes. Thank you.